Hello, my friends. More troubling developments over the weekend. A lot of geopolitical questions for Israel to answer, but I'm a little bit more concerned about Canada and the changes I see to this country. And frankly, I don't know if it's safe for Jews anymore. Maybe it is for now, but I look at what's happening in the UK and France, and I know it's not safe there. I'll show you the video evidence that's got me so worried. But first, let me invite you to subscribe to Rebel News Plus. That's how you get the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, which might not sound like a lot to you, but it adds up for us, so it makes a real difference. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, I'm worried about the Hamas attack on Israel, but I'm more worried about the Hamas rallies here in Canada. It's October 16, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious thug. about what's happening in the Middle East. I'm worried that the conflict will spread greatly. Israel is battering, battling the terrorist group Hamas, which is based in Gaza. Of course, they did so much barbarity nine days ago. But Hezbollah, another terrorist group based in Lebanon and Syria, is much larger than Hamas. And it's really the Iranian military, under a different name, they have over 150,000 missiles. Not just homemade things, but longer range guided missiles. It's as if Iran itself is poised on the northern border. And they've already started attacking. Today, Israel announced that it is evacuating 20 neighborhoods, 20 towns and villages near the border. They obviously think terrible things are coming. In the meantime, on the southern end of the country, Israel mobilizes for what appears to be an imminent ground invasion of Gaza. But What could be the outcome of that? Surely not reoccupation. Israel, until 2005, did occupy the Gaza Strip, but left it. And in those 18 years, Hamas has dug a warren of tunnels and booby traps. Even to reconquer it would be extremely challenging, but to govern it is surely not something that could be long-term. What will be the outcome? A dangerous urban battle where jets and tanks don't really help? And I, I think that there is, regrettably, an unlimited supply of would-be terrorists. Unfortunately, the children in Gaza are inculcated with extreme anti-Semitism and bloodlust from an early age. Don't take my word for it. This is not an insult. It's a description, an observation. Take a look at these children being taught to kill. It's, uh, والاشتباك المصالح في المخيمات ايش اكيد هدول العمليات تاع ترفع الراس ولفلسطين العمليات هاي تاعت الدعس والسكاكين هاي ايش بيرفع الراس لفلسطين اذا بدك بطلع بستشهد عادي 
أنا إن شاء الله أساعد الشباب وإن شاء الله أصير مقاوم بالمستقبل مع الدولة الإسلامية. So what is the response by the world's hyperpower, the United States? Donald Trump assassinated a very senior Iranian military leader named Soleimani, and that cooled off Iran from trying anything more against Americans. Now Joe Biden's Secretary of State is skip, uh, skipping around the region. He met with the Emir of Qatar, and he actually tweeted his appreciation to them, saying that he really is grateful to them while uh, that they're negotiating with Hamas. Hamas leaders live in Qatar. They're just down the street at the Four Seasons in Doha. Imagine flying there, the Hamas military leadership there, the terrorist leadership is there, and saying to the Qataris, we really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's unthinkable that Donald Trump would have done that. The Saudis, when Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, flew there, the Saudis made Blinken wait a day. He waited all night and they wouldn't wait for him till the next day and wouldn't meet with him till the next day, said the Washington Post. What do you think Trump would have done? Do you think Trump would have abided that? They would have done exactly what Trump told them to do, which most likely would have been to turn over the leadership of Hamas or for them to be killed. Biden has sent two aircraft carrier battle groups. But for what? Are they going to help in a ground war in Gaza? Unlikely. Are they to deter Hezbollah in Lebanon? Maybe. But I think it's possible that they're there given Joe Biden's approach towards Israel and Iran. Remember, Biden just released $6 billion to Iran a few weeks ago. I think it's actually possible that those two aircraft carrier groups are there not to stop Hamas or to stop Hezbollah, but maybe to stop Israel from attacking Iran or Qatar themselves. I know it sounds unthinkable, but is it any more unthinkable than Biden giving billions of dollars to Hamas through Iran just a few weeks ago? I'm very worried about things there, and it wouldn't surprise me if China ramps up its aggression towards Taiwan while America is overstretched between Ukraine and Israel. But I'm actually, on a personal level, much more worried about things here at home in Canada. Let me show you a few examples of what's going on in this country that you wouldn't see if you relied on the mainstream media. Let me show you an interview that our friend David Menzies had with a young woman in Mississauga who's wearing earrings of AK-47 rifles and is wearing a shirt saying, don't give up your guns. Now, you could say, oh, she's just a Second Amendment firearms right. No, this woman doesn't have firearms herself. She's praising firearms used by terrorists. Her shirt is a terrorist image. And she is, so I'll, listen, I'll let you listen to what she says directly. She praises Hamas while at the same time saying it's not actually terrorism. Take a listen. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, ma'am. First of all, Hamas is not okay. a terrorist group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. What is it, like a motorcycle a club? Or? It is a resistance that has been fuming for 75 years of colonialism, of occupation, of murder, of rape, of little children, of women. That's what they are. They are resistance. Do you think Canada is everything, a colonialist country too? Everything or? that they do is justified. Including what happened thing. last week? Every single thing they have done is justified. So, Ma'am, there were children murdered. There were babies beheaded. Oh. Babies beheaded, really. Please educate yourself.
Please, please check the news. Okay. Because as as a news reporter, you gotta check the fucking news okay. because they said that that shit was fake. Okay, multiple times. Different channels, different, even Biden himself, his his ministers and his idiots said himself that that news was fake. So There's no 40 behead, beheaded babies. And there you were no, no 1,300 deaths in no Israel? Evidence. There's no evidence. There's no photos whatsoever. Hamas is a Muslim, a Muslim group. They would never do that because it's against Islam. That's number one. And that's something that they showed. Do you there really believe evidence. that? There is evidence of Israeli women saying that they gave us water, they gave us food, they gave us a, a place to, to, to sleep comfortably, they gave us clothes, they got them to cover up out of respect. This is actual women having interviews talking about when they were hostages or when they were taking in, sorry, when, when Hamas members were, were coming into their house. These are actual Israeli women saying this is how they were. Even at some point, a Hamas fighter told, told one of the women, can I have a banana? to eat. He asked if he could eat, eat a banana that was in her home. Does that sound like a fucking terrorist to you? At another Mississauga rally, or maybe it was in Hamilton, there's so many I'm getting them mixed up, someone showed up in a truck with a Taliban flag. Where do you even get a Taliban flag? Who has a Taliban flag just kicking around the house and thinks it's a good time to go and fly it. The Hamas people told the Taliban people to get their own rally. I'm not even kidding. Take a look. Yeah, but you are not in Afghanistan. You are not in Afghanistan. You should understand this. Just hit me. This is not drag story time, ma'am. on Twitter, what's going on? Bro, people are just emotional. That's all I can say, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's no. a weird. I don't know what to say, man. Did you see that covered on the CBC or in the Toronto Star? And here's an incredible rally in Hamilton that was covered by the mainstream media. They called it peaceful. Here's our own crew on the scene reporting what they actually said. Take a listen.
occupation. While we are demonized because of our anti-Palestinian racism. Shame! I think one of the scariest was what Sheila Gunn Reed recorded out in Edmonton. Thousands and thousands of pro Hamas supporters lining the highway. Sheila said it took her 17 minutes to walk the length of all of them. Thousands of them. And why not? The mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, has given them the green light. Edmonton's mayor, a former cabinet minister under Trudeau, put out a statement on the one hand, on the other hand, a half-hearted condemnation of violence, no condemnation of Hamas. Well, if the mayor of the city and Trudeau's former cabinet minister says it's okay to support Hamas, why wouldn't people support Hamas? You can be pretty sure that Amarjeet Sohi's police force isn't going to arrest anyone for spreading hatred or for supporting a terrorist group. The liberals can do the math. There are fewer than 10,000 Jews in total in Edmonton. They're a very small and, I would say, meek community, whereas there are clearly thousands and thousands of Hamas supporters and probably about 100,000 Muslims in general. It's the same in Calgary. Calgary police have indulged in this very weird thing for the past few days. They have tweeted their praise for the pro-Hamas protesters. That is, instead of saying there is a demonstration, you know, we are on the scene, they have characterized what those protesters have said, and they have edited it. They have bodlerized it. The Calgary Police Service, which... I suppose should say there is a protest, drive around it, says they are there for peace, it, which tells you two things. First of all, they're lying. They're minimizing the chance that these pro-Hamas protesters are doing. But they're also saying, oh, there absolutely will be no criminal charges because we have just told you in advance that it's a peaceful rally. So don't expect any charges for inciting hatred or supporting a criminal terrorist organization. The Calgary Police Service, absolutely bizarre is characterizing the, the protest as peaceful before it even happens, before they even say death to the Jews. It's so bizarre. There has been no death to the Jews in Canada in the last few days, but you can see things that are heading in that awful direction. A rabbi's home was attacked in Vancouver, anti-Semitic graffiti in Toronto, an attack on school kids in Toronto, school children threatened and rocks thrown through windows. That's what's happening just from crimes of opportunity. And that's in Canada. We're not quite as far down the road as the UK is. Watch this of thousands of Islamic extremists, pro-Hamas extremists, hunting for Jews in London on the weekend, hunting for Jews with a police escort. Police didn't stop them. Police accompanying them. Take a look at this. We'll find some Jews there. We want the Zionists. We want the blood. This is the ninth anti-Jewish edition. 
In France, it's even more brutal. France, of course, has been the number one country in Europe for Islamist terrorist attacks. The French say they will deport any non-French citizens who promote terrorism. Maybe they will. But I think the problem is so many of those promoting terrorism are French citizens, some even born there. Suella Braverman, a cabinet minister in the United Kingdom, says they will arrest those spreading hate. And Rishi Sunak talks tough. But will they really arrest anyone? Or is that just for the digestion of those on Twitter who feel better reading him? I think France and the UK and Sweden have all gone too far down the road of mass unvetted migration that didn't screen out people with Islamist views. Uh, on the weekend, there was such a massive protest. The protesters, the pro-Hamas protesters were so confident, they were the ones ordering the police to leave. Take a look. Whoa. Whoa. Here's a battle between pro-Hamas protesters and police. Is there any other instance in the UK where you could push, punch, shove a cop and the cops would run away? France and the United Kingdom are much further down the road than we are. Uh, and they have been for years. Here's some front pages of British tabloids years ago that there were thousands of terrorist jihadis on the loose just walking around London that were not arrested, were not deported. They were just there. That's mass immigration without integration or assimilation. So what's the answer? Is there even an answer? Well, free speech is definitely a Canadian value. We stand up for that. But what if freedom is not a value shared by those coming here to use that freedom to destroy us? Do we need to import to Canada anti-Semites calling for murder? They use slightly coded language, but not really. Why should we host foreign nationals to do that? There's so many foreign nationals who are here as students. They're on a student visa. I remember when I was a student at the University of Calgary and then again at the University of Alberta. There were international students who were accredited, registered students. They would take maybe one or two classes a semester. And the rest of their time, they would spend subsidized organizing anti-Israel protests, rallies nonstop. If there are foreign nationals in our country promoting hatred against Jews, should they be deported? I think so. Tell me one reason they shouldn't be. I think we're going to have a campaign at deporthamas.com. I think that's something that we should ask politicians of every party to support. If someone is not a Canadian, if they are a foreign national and they are here as a tourist or they are here as a student and they are promoting Nazi-like hatred, should we not deport them? I think deport Hamas should be a policy goal of ours. And what about promoting hatred? And what about promoting terrorist groups? As you know, I was prosecuted for 900 days by the Alberta Human Rights Commission for publishing some Danish cartoons in a magazine. I note that Trudeau's anti-hate NGO has been silent for nine days. Not a word from any human rights commission. This is mad odd. You have pro-Hamas protests calling for the death of Jews and not a peep from the human rights set. And how about moderate imams or moderate mosques saying, you know what, we love Palestinians, but we're against terrorism. Have you seen even 
one. Please tell me you have, because I really am holding out hope that there is one in this country. You know, I'm worried that the era of freedom and safety and security is now over in Canada. I've never been afraid in my entire life. I grew up west of Calgary in the 70s and 80s. I went to Springbank Junior High. My sister and I were the only Jews in the school. There were two black kids adopted in the school and two Chinese kids. And that's it, 400 kids who were regular. And um, it couldn't have been safer. It couldn't have been friendlier. What a golden age to be born and raised and to live in Canada. I was never afraid for a moment in my life. If anything, I was treated in a special way. We were safe in this country as there was a senator and a cabinet minister about 100 years ago, a little more, named Raoul Dandurand. And he talked about Canada. I don't even heard that phrase before. I mentioned it the other day. He said to the League of Nations in 1924, that's almost 100 years ago, he said, Canada is, quote, a fireproof house, far from inflammable materials. Uh, it's no longer true. We brought the flammable materials into our house. I saw this video online and it made me sad. Just watch it for a few moments. That's not a comment on race, by the way. The British Empire, like the Roman Empire, was always multiracial, multicultural, if you will. London was always a multiracial city going back centuries. Queen Victoria's closest aide, Abdul Karim from India, wore a turban. I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about loyalty to the country, loyalty to the crown always. Safety, prosperity, commonality of purpose, that's gone. What is this current madness like? It's worse than anything we've seen before in North America. You know, we dealt with issues of Germans and Japanese, the Germans in World War I, we renamed Kitchener. You know, it, I think it was called Berlin before that. And the Japanese in World War II, we were too cruel to them. We interned them in internment camps. But imagine if the Japanese Canadians had had rallies in Vancouver, cheering for Pearl Harbor in the days afterwards, or if German Canadians were cheering and rattling during the Blitz as V1 and V2 rockets hit London. It's unthinkable. That's what's happening now. Speaking of which, both sides in war targeted civilians. The V1 and V2 rockets into London, well, the Allies dropped firebombs on the city of Dresden, burning thousands. Tokyo was firebombed. I think the death toll there was actually higher than Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But think of those two cities. America dropped nuclear bombs on two cities, not military bases, on two cities that were positively targeted. There weren't just collateral damage. 
My point is that there are civilian casualties in war. Even in Afghanistan, at least 50,000 civilians killed. Korea, 1.5 million civilians. Other wars, Canadians try not to kill civilians, but it obviously happens. It's war. Only Israel, though, as it seeks vengeance on the terrorists, only Israel is held to an impossible standard, and Hamas knows it and uses it by deliberately hiding behind human shields. What are the long-term solutions? I don't know what the long-term solutions are for Israel. I'm, I'm worried about that country, the only democracy in the Middle East, the only Jewish country in the world. I'm worried about Israel. But I live here in Canada. This is my country. It has been for more than four generations. My family came to Canada in 1903 in Alberta, before Alberta was even a province. There's never been a moment where we have not been safe and secure and happy in this country. But is that really our destiny? How can we avoid becoming like France? or Germany, or Sweden, or now the United Kingdom. I think of Malmo, a city that was as, as uh, Swedish as they come. And then I visited Rosengard, a neighborhood that is completely 95% Islamic. I, I met this young Muslim man there who was born there. He wasn't an immigrant. He was born there. And he said, absolutely, Sharia law should be the law of Sweden. Take a look at this clip. Do you want democracy with, with people who make law, or do you want a Sharia a country where you live by the rules of God? That is Sharia. I would choose Sharia, yes. Would you like Sweden to become a Sharia country? Uh, I would like, but now I don't have anything against that it is democracy here in Sweden. But if you could choose, you would choose? Sharia, yes. In my whole day in Malmo, this was years ago, you can tell my hair, I had more of it and it was less gray. I met one white woman, one ethnically Swedish woman the whole day. I didn't meet a single other. And I went up to her and I said, how do you feel about it? And it was the saddest interview I did in my, in my trip to Sweden. Uh, one of the things we're talking about is uh, mig migration to Europe, and um, Malmo seems to have a lot of uh, migrants, especially Muslim migrants. What do you think of that? Uh, I think maybe they should uh, deal with it better, but still we need them. For what? What, what does Sweden need them for? Because uh, Swedish people just don't make any babies. <laughs> and so who will take care of us when we are old, if not uh, immigrants? And uh, how will they take care of you? Uh, you know, work at, you know, hospitals uh, or, uh, you know, old people homes, you know, stuff like that. You know, Swedish people don't want to clean uh, after other people, so so if they don't do it, somebody have to do it. How about uh, the combination of Muslim culture and Swedish culture? They seem pretty different on things like women's rights and gay rights and, and things like that. Hopefully we can turn them around. Can you tell me the best way it's changing Sweden and the worst way it's changing Sweden? Uh, the best, best way is, uh, I think it's always good to have uh, a mixed culture, uh, you know. How otherwise would we have pizza and pasta in the first place in Sweden? Uh, the worst way is probably that the polit politicians doesn't do it well. So what can we do? How can we stop Canada from becoming a dangerous place? How can we keep our safety? I'm not talking about race. 
I'm talking about people loving this country and agreeing to live by our tenets of freedom and nonviolence and pluralism and equality of men and women and separation of mosque and state and stop chanting for terrorist groups and stop chanting for the death of the Jews. How do we do that? I think first, do no harm. Reduce mass immigration. Reduce it quantifiably. A million people a year, un unheard of. And I think we need in-person vetting again. We don't have that anymore. And I think we should change immigration's nature. We should test for cultural fit. Those values I talked about before, pluralism. If we bring to Canada people who despise liberal values, at what point do they create such a voting block that politicians like Amarjeet Sohi and Justin Trudeau will pander to them? I think, as I mentioned before, we should deport foreign agitators, foreign nationalists, foreign citizens who are here to whip up hatred and violence. This shouldn't be hard. I mean, if it helps you, pretend they're speaking German. Pretend they have Nazi flags instead of Hamas or Hezbollah or Taliban flags. If you need help figuring out, they're saying the same exact things the Nazis said. They're just using a different language. And I think the next thing we can do, the third thing is so important, is we have to denormalize the celebration of violence. That's what's been so shocking over the last nine or 10 days. So many groups have said, yeah, we're okay with the terrorism and rape and torture and kidnapping. I think in some cases there might be some prosecutions of people who actively support terrorist groups. That's a crime in Canada. But I think mainly it's a social and political and financial decision we have to make as a society. There's an American example just in the last couple of days of some big U.S. donors to universities saying, you are so hateful of America, I'm cutting you off. I think that's the only language that university presidents understand. In Canada, Jewish donors are very prominent, especially to York University, which receives millions of dollars in donations from Jews. Why would you give your money to an institution that promotes anti-Semitism, that literally promotes Hamas? But is it already too late? I think that's a problem for Jews. Should Jews have to leave now? That's what they say. Get out. Leave to where, though? To the Jews' biblical homeland? Well, they're being pushed out from the river to the sea through brutal terrorism. To where? To Europe now? To, to Paris, really? To North America? Where? To, to Edmonton? You saw what Edmonton looks like. To Hamilton? To Mississauga? Where? To Montreal? To Toronto, where Jewish children are being threatened at school? Should anyone care about this other than the Jews? I hope so. I would think so. And I know many do. But many don't enough. And our institutions are against us. I don't think Amarjeet Sohi actually hates the Jews. I think he just doesn't care one way or another. It's not part of his history. He just likes being mayor. And he knows if he sides with the Jews against Hamas, he might not be mayor. I've seen some polls that, that are encouraging for the older generations, but the CNN poll in America shows that young people are on the wrong side. They're actually tilting towards Hamas because they don't know their history. And they've had a 10, 20, 30-year dose of woke decolonialism. I grew up in the safest, most peaceful, most prosperous time. I was so happy 
<clears throat> even though, as I said, my sister and I were the only Jews in the whole school. And now here I'm saying for the first time in my life, I'm scared. Not for Israel, but for us here in Canada. Stay with us for more for an update from Israel by Avi Yamini, who's on the scene. Yeah, Ezra, so today I'm actually standing probably about five kilometers from Gaza. I'm not sure if you can hear those explosions behind us. What you're seeing there, that big cloud of smoke, is from the aftermath of an Israeli airstrike. We've been hearing and seeing um, rockets still being fired into Israel, a lot of them still, even though um, Israel's been targeting, just like that, that there, the Gaza Strip now for what is it, five days straight. Um, so the heavy bombardment, it's slowed down a lot of the rockets, so it's not as uh, as often, but there's there's still a fair bit coming through um, the Iron Dome, catching most of them, but not all of them. Today we got up and um, as you can see, I'm finally wearing uh, pr protective gear, body armor, thanks to the viewers at thetruthaboutthewar.com. Thanks to everyone that's uh, you know donated to help us cover the cost of these and cover the cost of the, the trip in general because we had to drive. It's been a struggle to get the body armor. My comments on all my videos were I could, people could see the intensity and the, I guess the danger we were in being, being here on the front line, you know, the first day rockets and then a drone attack and um, the constant barrage of, of, of fire in our direction. But, you know, we kind of, we had to be there because that's what we're here to do. And people were commenting, get your body armor, get your body armor. Well, it wasn't for the lack of trying because there is actually a shortage across the country um, with body armor. And you cannot get the big list supplies. I've made friends with um, local media here trying to get them to help me. And they put me onto some of the biggest suppliers, their suppliers. Um, and there's just none in the country. So we had to source it from overseas and even overseas there's a shortage, but uh, we managed to get something organized from America and import them. Uh, cost me and Benji, I think about $2,000 Australian each to get the vest and helmet. And then on top of that, um, a few hundred dollars more to get it bought here. So, but you know what, the, the, the price of uh, safety, I guess, uh, and, um, the sense of security for my wife back home in Australia. Um, it, you know, you can't put a price on that. So I thank everyone that's helping us cover the cost here because it's not cheap to do this kind of work, but I'm glad we are doing it. So we had to actually go to Jerusalem drive in our Tesla. So at the moment there's free, um, supercharges due to Elon Musk. Uh, he might be converting me to Tesla. It's not bad. Uh, although sometimes it is a bit stressful to find the charging stations, but we drove down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is dead. It's quiet. I've never seen Israel like this. There's people, people are just not on the streets. Restaurants are not open. And if they are open, there's, uh, there's, there's rules. There's actually laws a bit like COVID. You're not allowed to have a certain amount of people in uh, gather in one place. So, you know, we, we found this burger place that we've been eating at because it's kind of the closest thing around in the South. Everything around here um, close to the border, every restaurant, every, you know, there's only supermarkets open, open, but restaurants and that there's, you know, shawarma bars, falafel, bars, they're just not open. So you have to drive, um, to the closest, biggest city, something like Kirat Gat, where they actually have a Tesla tra uh, charging uh, station. And 
um, food, like a burger place that we've been going to, the one that we, we've actually done a story on because on the first day when we were here, we, we saw some of the amazing work that, that they were doing. They're serving and we've been there every day and we've seen every single day soldiers come in and that they refuse to take their money. But even that place, when we tried to sit down and eat and try work from there, they, they said, sorry, it's just the, the law at the moment is uh, you can't have people here. And I guess they also don't want it on their conscience. If, if a rocket does hit um, their restaurant and something happens, it's kind of on, the, on them. So it's understandable. People right now are united across the country. It's, 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 it's crazy, but I did bun, bump in also to uh, it's only crazy because Ezra, we were here not that long ago, and even when we were here, there was a division between the left and the right about the um, the, the 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 proposed uh, judicial reform. None of that. Nobody cares about that. People realise that that, that that don't sweat the small stuff because the whole country is united over this war. And what they're united on is the fact that they need to go in. There is literally no calls from anyone here, the left or the right not to go in. Um, but soldiers are getting a little bit impatient. I have bumped into soldier who, who, who couldn't be recorded on the record, but he was telling me the morale is super high, which we're seeing. We're seeing the soldiers, you know, yell out to us in cars and, you know, telling us uh, the, the Jewish state is alive. We're going to fight. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to end Hamas. But he, he says to me that the, 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 um, the morale's high at the moment. The morale is high at the moment, but it is dropping only because they're sick of waiting. They're, they're, they're desperate to get in there. From my understanding, at the moment, they are just bombing, doing targeted um, targeted bombs, trying to take out some of the commanders. They're having, they're having some really great success. They've taken out a number of commanders that were responsible for the attacks last Saturday in which now the uh, toll has gone up to, I believe, uh, about almost 1,500, I think it was. Um, and the, 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 the amount of kidnap has written, risen. And the amount of kidnapped, mostly civilians, men, women, and children that are right now in Gaza has risen to 199. It is an incredible amount. And everybody we talk to, this is different. This is not like any war I've seen here before. And I've seen a few. I've, in fact, served here during the last, uh, the second Lebanon war. And I was stationed when I was in the army, not far from here. And, you know, n this is different. This is really different. People want to end it once and for all. And people are um, destroyed over what has happened and the fact that there are 199 Almost 200 that we know of confirmed now that that number may rise still, but 200 almost confirmed in there, men, women, and children. And you can only imagine what they're going through, uh, especially people talk about um, the, the, how they're treating some of the women. We did see when they were taking them in, in and parading them, you know, there was clear signs of sexual assault. Ezra, we're here on the ground and we want to thank everyone, all the, all the viewers for supporting us. Uh, it was a hard few days to begin with we're starting to catch our rhythm we're going to head to this thing sparking up in the west bank now the north so we're just watching closely as to what's actually happening they've they've turned a lot of the surrounding area of the gaza strip now into military zones stopping access so we had some pretty good access for a couple of days you know i think where we got hit with a drone a drone attack 
Um, you can't, we can't get there anymore because now that is a full military zone. So they're pushing people and including the entire media back a bit, um, preparing for the inevitable uh, um, ground invasion. I do believe 100% they're going in. There's uh, even just politically they have to. The entire country wants them to go in and they need to win. They have to win. This is like every other real big war of Israel. Uh, Israel has to win this for their survival. Till tomorrow, Ezra. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Your letters to me. Bond Sask says, since Trudeau owns the media, looks like he's playing both sides of the fence. What's his motive? Well, you play both sides of the fence because you want as many votes as possible and Trudeau is behind in the polls. Um, let me play for you an astonishing clip. I almost forgot. Uh, today, our reporter Lincoln Jay accosted Omar Al-Gabra on the street and asked him three or four times if he would simply denounce Hamas's terrorist attacks. Take a look at the non-answer. It's terrifying. Take a look. My name's Lincoln Jay. I work with Rebel News. Just one quick question. Do you condemn the recent terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Do you condemn the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas? Why do you think so many people here in Canada are trying to justify these terrorist attacks? You have no comments. You have no comments. If Trudeau were to scold Omar al-Gabra, he would possibly lose thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of votes. That's what motivates Trudeau, don't you think? Hukum High says the CBC should be prosecuted for providing material support to Hamas. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think they should just be defunded. But if Trudeau won't prosecute, if the police won't prosecute people who actually do provide material support to Hamas, they're certainly not going to go after people who are just ideologically in support of them. Someone with the name White Leper says calling it a day of action instead of a day of rage or a day of jihad is like calling community agitating groups like BLM and Antifa community organizers. They did that with BLM's predecessor, Acorn, too. Well, no, it's worse than that because Hamas actually did themselves call it a day of jihad or a day of rage. Like they themselves called it that. But the, the, the media, Global News in that case, I think it was Global News, they actually changed, just like the Calgary police changed what the Hamas protesters in Calgary had to say. These are dark days and it feels a little bit lonely, but I know you're with me and I'm with you. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom while you still can. Mm -hmm.